Good evening and welcome to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host tonight, Glenn Osland, and we've got a fantastic panel that we've gathered together to talk about a very special television show called Big Love. Ah, Big Love. Can I get a like a collective sigh from everyone that's like, oh, ah, Big Love? Okay. Ah. That, that, that's the only one gush that we're going to have for Big Love. From now on, there's no <laughs> gushing allowed because we're just going to be really serious talking about this television show on HBO called Big Love. Um, and this is the sixth and final season of Big Love. Uh, it starts on Sunday, January 16th. And so we wanted to get uh, some kind of a, a podcast that reviews uh, what this show is all about and has been about for the last five seasons and get this out on January 13th, uh, mainly because we're fans of the show, but we also think that this has some very interesting things to say about Mormonism. Um, and uh, so we, we want to talk about it. So uh, let's introduce the panel. So uh, we have a couple of returning guests that have uh, been on Mormon Expression before and some new voices as well. So let me introduce... Um, First, well, let's go with my sister, uh, and let's call her Missy tonight. Missy? <laughs> Hi. Uh, A.K.A. Melissa. A.K.A. Melissa. And then we've got uh, Logan joining us. And, and Logan, you've been with us before. That's right, on the uh, Fowler Stages of Faith podcast. Happy to be back. Yeah, uh, glad we're joining us again. And then Bob, how are you doing? Doing great. Uh, yeah, I'm Bob. This is my first time on Mormon Expression. Uh, Logan and I our podcasting buddies in another life, and uh, good to be here. Great. Nice nice for you to join us. And then Andrea, how are you doing? Hi. Good. Thank you. Anything Glad you, to be on. Anything you want to say about yourself? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should have gone with that answer. All right. That's pretty good. Cool. All right. Um, so, you know, b before we start, I've got several questions that, that uh, I want to talk about, but let me just give a general summary of this show, Big Love, because there will be people in this audience who have never watched a single episode of Big Love. They don't really know what it's about. Um, so I want to give you some summary that, that you aren't completely lost in the conversation that's coming. So Big Love is a fictional story. It airs on HBO. It's about... Uh, a polygamous family that lives in Utah. It's it's a guy named Bill Hendricks. He has three wives named Barb, Nikki, and Margie, and they all have very interesting backstories that we won't get into here. But but they live in Sandy, Utah, and they're all neighbors to each other. They they live in their own separate houses with one shared backyard and one shared husband, and they all have him on their assigned nights, and they have uh, connections to a polygamous compound called Juniper Creek uh, that seems to be, oh, I don't know, about an hour's drive somewhere in the mountains, maybe to the south of them somewhere. And uh, there's some very interesting shady characters who are a part of Juniper Creek. Uh, a lot of the conflict over the past five seasons of Big Love has revolved around Bill Hendricks, uh, who's trying to keep all of this a secret. Um, while they're sort of living out in the open, and they're living this secret out under everybody's noses. And they have children together. They all interact in these schools. They interact in their neighborhoods. Uh, they're active in local business, in politics. They have some interaction with their local church members, although none of them are active LDS. 
And at the end of this past season, Bill was elected to public office, and he outed the entire family. This was the the season cliffhanger for season five. So that's a, a very general introduction to the show. So general with the spoiler alert, yeah. With the spoiler alert. So um, how valid? I just start with the first question. How valid is the premise of the story? And you know, could something like this really happen in today's world? It does happen. Does it? Yeah, it totally does. Okay. Tell me about it. Um, well, you've got all kinds of polygamous groups. There there are groups like Juniper Creek, like in um, Colorado City, and then Yearning for Zion, they moved down to Texas. And then um, Eagle Mountain is supposedly a polygamous enclave, as is Bluffdale, so, I mean, these kind of families that are, uh, you know, not necessarily poofy hair and weird dresses yeah. <laughs> exist. I don't know if you guys have seen Sister Wives. Yeah, I was just going to say a family, that. Yeah, that's a family that's living out in the open. But there are lots of families that are living just like the Henriksons. So they, so you said that there, there are these compounds that exist, and then they also have – so what would you call the Hendrickson? Would, would they be kind of like a satellite family that's connected to a compound that's more secretive, but they're satellite out in the open? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of polygamous families don't want to be associated with um, you know, the various groups because they don't want to live the, the law of consecration. So they're sort of independent. Okay. Yeah, right. I and, think uh, – or go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say that for the Hendricksons, the difference, though, is that in in this television show, it, it is a drama. And uh, it's not that plausible in the sense that uh, Bill is a, a very dominant figure in his society, in his, in his city life. He's, I mean, he's running for office. I, I just don't think that that's – is likely to happen in real life. Um, they get away with it for the first three seasons, and in fact, if we're talking spoilers, this isn't the first time they've been outed. They're in a previous season, I think it's the, the end of season one, they were outed then as well. Um, it's slightly different circumstances, but the point is, is that for him to keep it a secret twice and run for public office and get elected under false pretenses, because nobody knows he's a polygamist, um, that part's probably less plausible. So we need to separate out the idea of, you know, polygamists in general exist versus um, a polygamist with this much clout in the community. Yeah, and, and he has right. his, his very successful business as a competitor to Walmart. Or like or Home, Home Depot. Depot. Or yeah. Home yeah, Depot, yeah. I, yeah. I guess, yeah, it's more of a Home Depot than a Walmart, yeah. Uh, so I wanted to say that I think a polygamist family living in Sandy – isn't that big of a stretch based on everything that, that Missy and Bob have said. But I, uh, that was I think Andrea, it is, by the way. Oh, that was sorry. Andrea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to, to mix you up. Um, but I, uh, I think it might be a little bit of stretch, uh, as far as the power wielded by Roman and the other people on the compound. Um, sometimes that seems in there just for fun, not necessarily to be based in reality. I don't know. What about the LeBarons? I don't know. Tell me. They were running around. Ervil <laughs> LeBaron was a leader of one of the polygamous splinter groups. And um, 
I kind of think that Roman Grant, who is the leader of the Juniper Creek compound, might have been based off of Herbal LeBaron. Actually, no. Hollis Grant, who is the leader of an even crazier polygamous splinter group, I think is um, based off of Herbal LeBaron. And he, you know, he has in um, Mexico and he was very big on blood atonement and in the 70s and 80s i mean he he murdered and orchestrated the murders of so many people wow. like 25 people <laughs> so you know the idea so lebaron um, did this in real life in real life yes okay. yes and and so so, so roman grant the character in the show is 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 possibly being based off of uh, or Hollis Green. Oh, the, Holl- uh, yeah. the Hollis Green character in the show is being based off of LeBaron. The yours sincerely yeah. Hollis Green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's Which a major a antagonist. So I, I mean, it it seems plausible. You're right. I it, guess so. Yeah, none of none of this stuff seems super out there to me because when you look into polygamy crazy stuff happens all the time um like uh in season three you have albie who is the brother of um one of bill's wives nikki and he's selling documents to the mainstream mormon church yeah and they're forged spoiler alert (laughs) and um you know, that happened in real life. Right. Not necessarily with polygamy attached to it, but a lot of this stuff that happens on the show has has happened in real life. So Yeah, yeah I guess uh, I didn't this this is Bob. I didn't think about it, but I suppose if you dig back far enough and you look at the last thirty to forty years of crazy splinter spin off groups from the mainstream church, there's probably plenty of dirt to fit into four or five seasons of a show. Um <laughs> So, you know, the, the, the show takes place over a, a couple years period or a few years. I'm not exactly sure, actually. Um, and I guess that's, a, that's allowed. That's an artistic liberty that TV shows can take is condensing the worst of the last 40 years into, you know, a four-year experience. Well, all I know is the last time I went to visit my mom, who lives in Utah, I was freaked out by the grocery store milk selection. Instead of, like, the regular two columns, there were, like, 20. The grocery store was, like, three times, and it kind of freaked me out. And so my husband and I were joking around that it's got to be so big to feed all the polygamous families. Oh. It happens. That's not nice to all the polygamous families, Melissa. I think it's that They can't the get milk? I'm just saying. Their grocery stores are huge, so there's it's, obviously a big demand for... It's logistically challenging. You need that whole back wall for milk oh. if you're going to service that kind of population, right? That's my point. Supply and demand. Right. Exactly. It happens. Okay. All right. So I think we've come to the consensus that the... The, the the premise of the story is pretty valid. There there are some areas that are stretched a little bit, you know, when it comes to Bill's involvement in the 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 community at large. But for the most part, it's it's grounded in a in a pretty solid basis. There are some actual precedents, um, historical precedents that the show's based on. 
Agreed? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yes. Okay. All right. So so let's move on to the next question here then. How in the show is mainstream Mormonism depicted? Because I know when when I've talked to a lot of Mormons about uh, the show, they get really nervous because they think that – you know, non-Mormons watching it are going to be confused and think, oh, p- people are going to come away from this show thinking that all Mormons are polygamists and, and that that's what this show is about. No, I oh, think that's... they do a very good job of distinctly saying that these are a polygamous group and that they're not related to mainstream Mormonism and they have neighbors that are mainstream Mormons and they talk to their bishop every once in a while who kind of tries to help them out. He thinks they're just inactive um, but I think they do a pretty good job of of the having the differentiating. Line drawn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, there are, I mean, there are a lot of little examples, though. Um, I don't know if this is where we want to get into it, but um, um, it has a lot of things that could just be part of any Mormon's experience. Like in season three, they go on this church history tour, <laughs> uh, and there are a bunch of things on that that could have been my experience. I mean, I never went on the church history tour, but I imagine it would have been a lot like that, like uh, arguing with the amateur church historian in the uh, Carthage jail. Yeah. Or, uh, or when Teeny starts opening her mouth and sharing the gospel to whoever she meets, and she happens to meet this uh, black Baptist guy who gets pissed off because the LDS church, because uh, of the history with, uh, with blacks in the priesthood. So this, this, uh, is, this is the daughter of, of uh, Bill and, and, and Barb, yeah. who has actually, unlike some of the other children, she's been raised in the the mainstream Mormon church for parts of her life. So she's gone. She's actually had some experience in the primary program, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think so. the problem is is the blending of the two storylines. So if you're not into this series, of course it's going to come across the wrong way because you have to watch the series to know that they do a good job of differentiating between mainstream Mormonism and fringe Mormonism. And then the other thing I'd say is that people tend to focus on on what they got wrong, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But in, in my opinion, you know, nine out of ten times they get it right, and maybe there's that one out of every ten that they get it wrong, which is going to draw the most attention for any Mormon, you know, mainstream Mormon watching. Um, but if they're not watching in the first place, then of course they're going to be confusing the premise of the show and the point of it and assuming that it's painting mainstream Mormonism in a, in a poor light with a polygamous sort of tie, which is sort of true, but not really if you watch the show, right? Right. Yeah, what do you think, Andrea? I thought it was interesting. Um, all of the Mormon characters, like, are very clear that they do not practice polygamy, do not support polygamy. Um, Barb, the first wife who comes from a mainstream Mormon background, um, you know, her family does not support her. Her her mother and her sister do not support her. And pretty much all of the mainstream Mormons around them, they all make it very clear that they have nothing to do with polygamy and don't want anything to do with polygamy. Um, so. Almost to a fault, that, right? Because. Yeah, yeah. Y- because if you're a, if they you're a good Mormon, a little too much. Yeah, you, you love your neighbor, you you're inclusive of your family, um, you, but as we know, you can't have it both ways. You can't reject polygamy and have issues with it, and then uh, totally love your polygamous family next door. I guess you can, but that, that takes a very special person <laughs> who doesn't exist in the show. Really, it's either one or the other. 
And of course, yeah. throughout the first season, they had uh, that disclaimer at the beginning, right? Yeah. That, that this was not um, the mainstream church that's being depicted. So. Yeah, and, and it, takes a, it takes a very special show for the church to come out with a statement of their own. <laughs> come, coming back and saying, you know, and I don't have it in front of me, but they basically said that wasn't good enough. And I, I should find it because it's, it's a fun statement to, you know, whenever you get the church PR people responding to a TV show, you always, you always just want to remind them that it would have been better if they didn't say anything. <laughs> too, too much? Too harsh? Maybe it was a good statement? No, no, it's good. I just, I I, I've got an article, actually, that the church um, responded to a bunch of questions about um, big love. And I just was debating if I was going to bring that up or not. But they do say something here at the end. And this was uh, published in March of 06. And they were concerned over the confusion of, you know, mainstream Mormons and polygamous Mormons. And it says that... Um, you know, still placing the series in Salt Lake City, the international headquarters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is enough to blur the line between the modern church and the program subject matter to reinforce old and long outdated stereotypes. Yeah, that right. sounds to me like someone it's written by somebody who hasn't watched the show. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, and it, I found the quote I was looking for, which is a little more drastic. Uh, so this is from March 2006, the church responding to big love by saying despite its popularity with some much of today's television <laughs> entertainment shows uh, much of today's television entertainment shows an unhealthy preoccupation with sex horse humor and foul language big love like so much other television programming is essentially lazy and indulgent entertainment that does nothing for our society and will never nourish great minds wow. that's, that's official wow. church this is the same article, actually, that's just a, a little further down. Yeah, parents who are casual about their viewing habits ought not to be surprised if teaching moral choices and civic values to their children become harder as a result, is the follow-up. Like, whatever. <laughs> that's why I liked it. That's one of the reasons that drew me to Big Love is because I kind of, what is this all about? What's the big deal? Why, why is it so forbidden? Yeah, it's harder to raise your kids. <laughs> I can no, just see the church. The it's made my raising my kids easier. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, yeah, because I'll get into that later. No, just I, go I on wonder... by what that church statement said. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, I was just thinking, if, if the church came out and said, you know, this show's not a big deal, eh, whatever. I mean, they probably would have gotten less interest out of their statement. I, I mean, even if you're a, a, a good, faithful Mormon, after reading this, you're going to, like, watch it secretly in your closet or something just because you want to know why it's why it's so damaging and won't nourish a great mind and it's lazy Absolutely. and indulgent. Yeah, that's yeah, what happened. sounds like that's what happened to Missy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so nice the, the other thing I want to, uh, to bring up if we're talking about how Big Love depicts Mormonism are um, the uh, in the third season, they depict the temple scene and also um, a disciplinary hearing. Yeah. I thought that was that was pretty big. Very big. Um, yeah, what did you want to say about that? Yeah, well, I thought, you know, my my parents watched the show and they're more in the church than I am, and they were understandably a little annoyed by that. And I I think that's understandable like I say for a Mormon, but I thought they did it really well. I thought their portrayal was was respectful um and uh, and tasteful. It was clear that 
the uh, going to the temple was very sacred for Barb, something that was very meaningful to her. They didn't make fun of it. They didn't try to make it look stupid. Um, they just showed it exactly how it was. And, um, you know, if they're going to do it, obviously it wouldn't make it through correlation, but HBO isn't correlated. Um, but if they're going to do it, um, I thought they did it as well as they possibly could have been expected to. Yeah, and the soundtrack is better than the real thing, right? Because the scene... <laughs> That's the right, Barbara's Adagio. <laughs> yeah, the scene doesn't show, um, well, the, what the scene shows is something in the temple that has no soundtrack. And so um, I actually found it quite nicely done with that soundtrack. So that's just me, though. Well, and I thought they did a good job also with the disciplinary council that even though, you know, um, the character really stuck up for herself and was true to her beliefs and um, didn't kind of let the priesthood... Um, leaders push her around you could also really see that they thought in their heart that they were being loving yes. and that they were trying to be kind and trying uh, you know it was kind of that double standard there but they really were coming out of their heart and wanting her to change because you know they've they've discovered right that she's polygamist and they're telling her she kind of needs to denounce it or they're going to excommunicate her is that correct if yeah, I that's right that. very well meaning yeah. i thought they came yeah. across so, and I, I could see that, you know, even when you're in this hard situation and they're questioning your beliefs and your integrity, but they're doing it with love. Well, right. And, and anything that comes across kind of in a poor light is just because that's the way it is in real life. I mean, it's like this half circle of older men, you know, with a poor woman sitting in a folding chair answering to all of these probing, intimate questions. So they did the best they possibly could with exactly how that would go down in real life, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you had you had one person, as Missy described, who was on the kind, loving side. You had another guy who was more militant, I, I thought kind of a, a jerk in the way that, that he approached it. But that seemed more realistic to me, where yeah, you, you've, you've got definitely. a spectrum. So I thought the opposite of, of that um, statement that Bob read. I, I think Big Love shows Mormonism in a lot of richness, positive, negative, messiness, um, well-meaning aspects of it. I, I think it shows all sorts of texture and richness. Yeah, I agree. I, I, but I, I do also agree with the second half of that statement, which I, I mm. think it, it's something that parents will find that there's they'll have a hard time teaching their children uh, and and I would probably change the language of it, but they'll they'll have a hard time keeping their children in in line because the children will start to question things. But I think it's for different reasons than what the the article lays out. Yeah, if you're letting your kids watch HBO, that battle's lost. Well, but <laughs> but if you if you're if you're watching your if if you're you're watching Big Love with your kids, then you're exposing them to other things besides lazy. You know, it's it's not a show that's just about sex. You know, they're... well, I don't think that it was. They were saying that the kids are watching it. They're just saying that, like parents. So, like, if you as a parent are indulging in this kind of behavior, don't be surprised if it's hard to teach your kids what's right or wrong, because obviously you don't know what's right or wrong, or you wouldn't be watching the show. Well, that's a good point. But I, I mean, big big love isn't just a a show about sex. There, I, I think there there were some episodes earlier on where. The, the sex was a little more graphic than later episodes. You know, some 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 seasons, I don't know if there was a single sex scene at all but between the married couples. You know, so it's not a show that's just about the sex between the polygamous uh, marriages. 
you know, so it's not sensationalizing sex at all that way that that, that quote was trying to make it sound like big love is about. You know, that, yeah. th- there, there's other reasons why the church doesn't want members of the church watching big love because it raises issues about polygamy. It raises issues, I, I think, just about the nature of religion, the way that religion works in people's lives, the way that people use religion as an excuse to justify their own uh, desires, you know, as, as a, an ends to or a, me, a means to an end, which you see the main characters doing all the time, which is one of the things I find so fascinating That's about the show. That that you can look at this as a microcosm of what really goes on in real life, and and that's that's an area that I think they they get it right on how mainstream Mormonism is depicted, or, you know how just religion in general is is depicted. Yeah. I agree. So let let me let me move on and ask another question. Um, how how is Utah culture in general uh, uh, de- depicted in the show? I think it's funny. One of the daughters works at a burger joint, and when she sits down with the girls, they're always talking about young women's or, you know, something like that happens just in their everyday activities or places. It's just open conversation. I remember when I lived in Utah, it was like that. I'd go to the mall, and you'd hear people talking about baptisms for the dead. You're like, what? (laughs) That's Utah. Yeah, and and it's kind of hard. Like, I, I, I find this question... I I really haven't lived in Utah, so I don't know that I'm really the best person to go to on this. I'm really curious yes, you to have. hear. Well, I, I went to BYU. I don't know how how broad oh, of an experience Utah, Utah that is. <laughs> yeah. I think that's funny that you're trying to differentiate BYU as like, oh, well, it doesn't really count. That may as well be North Carolina, where it's really like, <laughs> I went it's like to, Utah I went, times 10. I went, I, went to, I went to BYU, and I was married. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that that counts i was you're on the team you count am i (laughs) damn it (laughs) so um i i think uh utah the utahns in a big love they do come across a bit flat and stereotypical um you know all the men have that all-american slash mormon chin and they're well groomed they could you know be mission presidents right off the boat and all the women are slightly step pretty but you know (laughs) It's kind of uh, it's kind of like uh, we're saying about Mormon culture. I think the people are well-meaning and and they're you know they're they're good decent people. Yeah, I think the the Utah thought... culture is actually pretty subtle. I, I I had a hard time finding much of anything other than what's already been said. That it, it seems like they didn't focus on that that much. I don't want to discount it because it was based in Utah, but the stories and the, the intricate plot lines and character development didn't leave much more than some token Utah references. Oh, I just, I just remembered in the beginning, like the first season especially, they said, uh, you know, what the H and stuff like that a lot. <laughs> the, the language, yeah. yeah, a lot of yeah. the, a lot of the cursing in there is very funny. Yeah, or oh my heck, yeah. that, that comes out a lot. Right, there's there's a lot of Mormon expressions like that, the the, the cursing. Yeah, Andrea, yeah. were you going to say something? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that um, they referenced the antidepressant use and anti-anxiety mm. meds oh yeah yeah barb kind of sticks her foot in her mouth talking about utah women driven to perfection and oh, yeah. and uh turn to the medicine cabinet to deal with it all yeah she gets crickets yeah <laughs> yeah 
So is that accurate? Or is that what we're saying? Yeah, and they do the whole gambling thing, too. Oh, that's true. I, that that never quite resonated with me. I don't know if a, even a Mormon or even a family-friendly casino would be popular in Utah. I, I just, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't they know that it would, but... Wendover. Right, I just, I remember always hearing about that, and they, they did reference that. They were trying to build a more family-friendly version. So... I don't know about you guys. Growing up in the church, I mean, we went to Vegas all the time uh, just because it was on the way to California and it was pretty close to Utah. And it was always like the inside joke was like, hey, 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 we're beating the system because we don't actually gamble, but we get all the buffets cheap and we stay in the $20 a night hotels or whatever, you know, because they give you everything else for free. And that's the context I have growing up is, is more about uh, gambling being totally avoided um, and taking advantage of the good times, which is kind of ironic because it's Sin City, right? It's supposed to be bad for other reasons, but um, they made it seem like in the series that, that Mormons gamble occasionally or in secret or it's a guilty pleasure, and uh, that didn't associate with anything I've experienced. Well, that that, that get, that's a good seg- segue into this next segment that I kind of want to get into is what did they get right and what did they get wrong? So it, it, it seems like that would be something to you that they got wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, the relationship of Mormonism with gambling, I grew up having it be pretty straightforward. There was no, it wasn't like Diet Coke, where depending on which neighbor's door you knock on, you get a different response. Most people agreed that you you typically don't gamble. I don't know, maybe I'm alone. No, no, that's true. Yeah, I, I, I found that a little hard to swallow as well. That, that he was so excited to, to put the family fortune at risk um, for a, at this a family, casino. Yeah, yeah. family-friendly casino designed for Mormons. It's like, but they're not going to gamble. But they have right? ice cream sundae bars. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's what they're going for. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it seems contrived. That was season four, and, and we should get it out there now. I, I know that this isn't the point of the podcast, but season four was definitely not as good as seasons one through three, and that <laughs> that could be part of the reason is actually for me personally there was a lot more less probable things happening in this last season um and it it, yeah. it didn't it didn't come together as nicely a lot more contrived stuff going on but you were sorry you were did, did i did i say that is is this season that we're coming up to season five yeah, yeah. i can imagine oh. that i think i think i said season, season six. six yeah you did okay yeah, and while we're on the oh, correction train, you know, I just have to <laughs> point out that it's like <laughs> Bill Henriksen, the, the family name is Hen- Henriksen. Oh, yes. Hendrix, Glenn. Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you would have marked the Hendrix box in the voting booth, it would have been different outcome. <laughs> but, but, but your name is Bob, right? Yeah, you got that part right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other things that I think they got wrong, which is just pretty obvious, um, as much as they... Yeah, this is the segment of what the show got right and wrong, not what I did. Oh, oh right. <laughs> right. right. Oh. <laughs> we got confused there for a minute. Um, just the whole reason for her wanting to go through the temple in the first place. Um, she was saying she wanted to get her endowments out before she gets excommunicated, but they make it very clear that she and Bill were once sealed in the temple. So right. obviously... Anybody who knows anything about, you know, the temple knows that she would have already had her endowments taken out. She would have already had that experience, but they wanted to be able to show the temple ceremony. So at least that's what I think. 
I, I felt I, like, oh, I'm sorry. I felt like that was just sort of a, a problem with the terminology. Um, to to go through an endowment session, they should have said. Um, but but yeah, you're right. They did get a little bit wrong. But Logan, didn't you also think that it was a bit of a stretch that that she would go to her estranged mother and say? I want you to give me your temple recommend so that I can go through the temple for the last time before I'm excommunicated, and that her mother would say, "Okay, here you go." Yeah, yeah mother who doesn't odd. even talk to her, or and won't then even to top it her. all off, her mother was there in the celestial room waiting for her. Right when when she used her recommend to get through. Right. Yeah, I didn't understand how that was supposed to work. Because she was supposedly borrowing it from either her mom or her sister, but then her mom and her sister are both there. Yeah. Yeah, and so, have you ever heard of someone lending their temple recommend? I mean, that's the stuff that we're. Wait a second. Yeah. I don't want to defile the temple. Oh, have you? I guess I never did. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I, I've, I've done that before, actually. Oh, okay. Wow, well, uh, that's a separate podcast right there. Well, my, <laughs> my, my, my wife. We we went to my cousin's wedding. My wife left her temple recommend down in Provo. It was in Salt Lake. So she, she took my mom's. She used that. Then I grabbed my mom's. I walked outside. I gave it back to my mom. My mom used it to get in. You know, my, my, Are you serious? Because yeah. I had a similar story, but it did not play out like that. Yeah. Well, this was before barcoding. This, this was like you know, 16 mine was, years ago. Mine was uh, I, I had forgotten my temple recommend, and I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm here out of town. I'm here for a I think it was like for a wedding or something I think that was and my wedding it probably could have been and, and then <laughs> they like take me into a small room and they like do like a, a, a quick and dirty like on the fly interview all right or do you believe in this check did it and they're like well you seem okay I'm like yeah I'm telling you <laughs> well I've heard of that and when they call your bishop or something yeah, right yeah yeah sorry that, that 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 was stupid you shouldn't have done that apparently not <laughs> Dishonesty. No, no, because you know they already asked the questions. You already knew that she was a temple. I, I already knew my wife was a temple recommend holder. Yeah. She already, she already went through all that process. It was just a piece of paper. But anyway, yeah, you needed your attorney there with you. <laughs> the Lord knew. The Lord knew. It's one of those ask, ask forgiveness, not permission kind of things. Yeah, but, I have heard of, heard of, you know, people sneaking in that aren't supposed to be there or non-Mormons. I. I can't speak for anything, but you I... You did it yourself. Just admit it. None of this friend of a friend type of stuff. <laughs> My dog's brother's <laughs> uncle one time? No. So um, another thing that I thought they got wrong that I wanted to point out was a, a missionary sequence. And oh, Logan yes. and I have kind of argued about this before because he, I, I don't think he thinks it is nearly as bad as I, I thought it was. But basically the missionaries come and, and visit the second wife, Nikki, um, and she's home with her kids, and you know they're trying to give her the gospel message, and they're they're really in her face about it. Um, and she tries to push them away, and then after a couple of visits, after another subsequent visit, they start writing down the name of her of or, or the number of her house, and then she's like, "I know what you're doing," and and they're they're like, "Well, we're marking you down as uncooperative and un, you know not repentant or something," and and I just thought like. <laughs> I've been a missionary, and I would never say that to somebody's face. Maybe I've thought it before, but um, you, <laughs> that's not what missionaries do, is call people out as, as uh, not repentant and uncooperative to their face. I don't know. Yeah, uh, you see, Bob, everything you say is true. I really can't argue with any of that. It's just that, <laughs> well, let me put it this way. I don't know if you've had missionaries come visit your house since you've you know, not been attending church. 
I swear I felt exactly like Nikki in that situation. You knock on the door, you open it, all of a sudden someone's walking in like they're trying to get into your house and they figure you'll just let them in because they're missionaries. Like, whoa, 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 hold on, fellas. What's going on? Um, that, that happened to me today. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it really did. <laughs> and it feels kind of like that, right? Like they just, uh, you know, they're these robotic guys. They're not really. They're just doing their thing. Luckily, uh, I you... had sister missionaries, so we chatted and found out we had some connections from our Arizona home base. So I'm sure she went home and wrote, she was so nice. I'm totally bringing her back to the church today. <laughs> well, you're, you're just super, super nice. It's Logan, to your point, it, it actually hasn't happened to me because, you know, I work during the day. And for some reason, missionaries always visit at like two in the afternoon for unemployed people, I guess. I don't know. Or um, mothers at home with their kids. They couldn't come in anyways. Why were they coming? I know, to the right? Because it happened with the, with the elders, too. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so so it's been my wife answering the door, and she just tells me. And, and missionaries, they'll try to get my wife to answer for me and set up an appointment on my behalf, which is, like, really not a cool thing. See, this I is thought. what I'm talking about. It wasn't exactly like that, but sort of the, uh, you know. All right, fine. Anyway, they got it right. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> right and wrong. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they just overdid it a little bit. But yeah, that's I, fair. I, but but I agree with you that that I I felt the same way when I saw that segment in in Big Love that it was a little bit over the top with the missionaries. Yeah. So so Andrea, you've been you've been quiet for a bit. What 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 do you see? What do you think they got uh, right and wrong in in uh, different segments um, in Big Love? Well, for me, it's like little things. Um, when some members of the family pray, they address. Heavenly Father as you instead of the mm. um, I don't know about you guys but I was raised not that's, to use the word you with God yeah, that's really right. yeah. that's and, a big thing. Um, so that kind of felt strange to me um, Barb uh, when they're on their way to Camorra she talks about the golden tablets right. instead of the <laughs> golden plates um, and then what you mentioned before with taking out her endowment, you know, she wouldn't have said that. Um, so just little things like that where I felt like, and I don't know if they had a Mormon working on the show. I, I feel like they probably did, but I mean, it, any Mormon could have just looked at the script and gone up. Oh, that's not quite right. Yeah. We need to tweak that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Um, uh, yeah, if they just had a Mormon there, like a couple things in the first season, I noticed early on they would talk about family home evening instead of family home evening, you know, or uh, a temple recommend instead of a temple recommend. <laughs> so just tiny little things like that. Yeah, they they say amen. Yeah, they do. We don't say that. Now. I don't know Mormons what the deal is don't there. Don't say amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it's amazing how they they might seem like we're nitpicking like there's little teeny tiny things but when when it's it's so ingrained in us that it just grates at our nerves and you go that's not us that's not <laughs> yeah that's no sorry and we just yeah. reject it wholesale I've heard that there is it's like the princess in the pea what, what's that 
Uh, I've heard that there was an ex-Mormon that was one of their writers or one of their producers or something. Yeah, Dustin Lance Black, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, right. like the longer you're away from the church, you probably don't remember like those little things quite as much. Well, so. and, and the actress who plays the twin sisters on the compound, Jolene, uh-huh. she, uh-huh. she's she's a member of the church. Oh, or she is. Or she has been. Yeah. I was gonna huh. say. Like, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah or, but then... or she she was raised she was raised Mormon. I should say that. I'd use that one. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> It, the consultant that they had like left the church when he was 12 or something because because even saying that they have a mormon consultant on the show that just doesn't that's like not possible unless right. they just ignored a lot of what he was suggesting or something or you wouldn't think that any mormon would be affiliating themselves that way yeah right you know some of the things that i i think that they've gotten right about the mormons and I, this was maybe in the first episode or it was in the first one or two episodes when Barb went to teach as a substitute teacher in an elementary school. She had these kids around her that were probably around eight years old. And mm. they they were confused, it seems, as to where they were, whether it was a school setting or a church setting, because they started asking questions about where do people go when they die and do they go to heaven and then they were asking about butterflies. And if a butterfly dies, <laughs> does the butterfly go to heaven? And, you know, then, oh, my dad says this or my dad says this. And then does a butterfly need to be baptized to go to heaven? And it just seemed so <laughs> perfect to me. Like that kind of a conversation would really actually happen at an elementary school in in a, a highly saturated Mormon culture where the kids don't know to define these lines between, you know, these are the same kids that they're seeing in primary class. They're the same kids that they're seeing at school. Uh, I, I thought I thought that that was absolutely right. And the the other thing is when all throughout the show, whenever they're in problems, they're having a, a problem. Even even Bill Hendricks, for all of the terrible things that he does, he'll he'll kneel down. And he'll pray the most sincere prayer to <laughs> Heavenly Father. What What do you want me to do? I'm doing my best. I'm trying to do what I think you're asking me to do. And it, he's pouring his soul out. And he really means it. Even though he's just being such a jerk. But he really <laughs> feels it. And he really believes it. And they've sold me on this. You know, sincerity in his, in his character. And... I I just think that is so fascinating uh, about the show, and I, I think there's there's much more sinister things going on in in the Juniper Creek world um, with with the way that they use religion. But I I think as far as Bill Hendrick, I'm sorry, how do you say it? Hendrickson. Hen- it's with a D. It's Hendrickson. Not, it, it, it's Hendrickson. Not a, okay, it's a Hendrickson. silent it's a silent D. But oh. make sure to get the sun in there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hen- Hendrickson. I'll just say Bill. Um, yes, Bill. <laughs> the, the the way that Bill uses it, he's really got his soul. Um, he feels like he's being guided, and um, I I I just think that that is fascinating about the show. And when you mentioned earlier the episode where they go on the church history tour, yeah. there, there's a, there's a scene where one of his wives has the her mother's ashes in an urn 
and oh, they yeah. there's an accident where they fall, they scatter to the wind, and she feels this sense of loss. And so as a family, they gather in this motel room, <laughs> and in the jacuzzi, they perform a, a baptism for the dead. Yeah, that's right. And it was <laughs> one... I just thought it was so beautiful. Well, the way they watch. did it, it was like it's it's silly because you're in a motel room, you know, and it's just it seems so irreverent. But yeah, their manners silly. of with well, that's what I'm saying. Like the manners of how they're doing it and they're taking it so seriously and they're very respectful about oh, incredibly it. Incredibly, like I found that scene so powerful because it speaks to the function of that ritual to gather this family together and say we're here for you margine and you know we're we're here mourning your loss together and your mother whose ashes had just been scattered to the wind um we're gathering her in we're we're bringing her into our family through this ritual of baptism by proxy and she's a part of us now but was and, there was, yeah. was there a part of you there that um like i i tried to think of it from the perspective of a of, of a good faith driven Mormon and I was you know the first thing I thought when I saw that scene is like well too bad they don't have the proper authority because you know they're polygamous <laughs> and so this whole baptism for the dead thing is just not really you know it's a yeah. token sort of waste of time because yeah. they've got to well, of of course yeah I mean that that would that would probably be the response I, if if you're believing in the, the literal priesthood powers and, and anytime they do rituals like that whether it's a, a sacrament for their own family church that they're creating, which they've done, or times where he decides that, okay, son, now it's time for me to ordain you to the priesthood, which they've done, and he takes him down right. to the basement and, you know, lays his hands on his son's head and gives him the priesthood, which is, you know, another powerful moment that's meant to be bonding between he and his son. You know, if you could definitely look at that and say, well, too bad he doesn't really have the power of the priesthood because this doesn't mean anything, but... Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it as having a much different kind of meaning. Than, yeah, I'm than with that. you. That's yeah. that's what I my I don't know. I, I had thought like two the baptism sides of my brain. scene was just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I teared up a little. <laughs> oh. I did. Yeah, I, I did too. I did too. Wow. Because um, the little boy, he says, "So now Grandma Ginger can be with us in heaven." Yeah. And then. Nikki says that's right no soul is ever lost yeah which i think is one of the the better parts of of mormonism is that um no soul is ever lost you can live a horrible life and then be baptized when you're dead and and you're okay yeah, yeah that's I, I, that's kind of a, a nice thing yeah it, it is and I, I think they did a good job of, of balancing that because back to glenn's comment on the butterfly uh, story, you know that there's a a bit of a paradox there. The Mormon paradox is that Mormonism has the answers to everything, and the rest of the world doesn't. And the point, you know, the point here is, after you die, you live on forever with your family. Um, but then at the same time, the butterfly story illustrates that wait, what really happens? Oh, we have no idea. We just know that it's three places you go instead of two, or you know, it, and. So on the one hand, they show how, for having answers, we don't know that much more than your typical heaven-hell model. But on the other hand, it doesn't matter, because just people need to feel good that they can connect with their family after this life. Yeah. Well said. 
Yeah, and that that's one of the things that I think the show does really well as they're skating these controversial issues. They they never really they never really take serious pot shots at Mormonism. They still they they still I think give Mormonism its its due and say there there are some things in Mormonism like this baptism, like some other ordinances they show where it can have um some value in people's lives and here's the value that it gives to people and they're, they're not stripping that away from the people or from the culture e- even the mainstream Mormons that could be de- depicted as stereotypical clowns, they're not being depicted as, as stereotypical clowns you, you do have some flat characters like you would in any show but but I, I, don't, I don't think that's really what's, what's going on. So, so you know, what, what do you think the, the, the agenda is of the, the producers in in big love what why why do you think they they made this show quotes yeah um this is from an interview with will sheffer one of the producers and creators of the show uh in the la times and he says part of our initial schematic was that we were going to explore the american family in relationship to marriage to religion to culture it wasn't an agenda so much as a response to the way that certain people in America felt they could define families that weren't traditional. Hmm. So it wasn't wow. really even about Mormonism at all. Mormonism was just a, a vehicle. Mm, or maybe exploring what is it about Mormonism that makes us so special that we aren't accepting of other... I mean, that's almost what I heard there. Well, I think that's true. If I if I hear about it as being about non-traditional families, I, I think they do a lot to sort of make you think, wait a second, uh, that's not perfect, but whose family is perfect? I could maybe see uh, polygamy working for some people. I think that they, uh, they do do that a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I would not want to see that family break up. Yeah. yeah. They work together. And yeah, it's a little weird. But, you know, they've created this loving family, and I would not want to see it break up. It works for them. And so it definitely has, I guess, changed my perception. I don't want to go out and get a sister wife, but um, (laughs) I, I can see how with consenting adults, I can see how that kind of relationship might work. Well... And is it just me, or, or did you guys think through watching the show, again, from the perspective of a, of a good Mormon, you'd be torn on how to approach this, right? Because on the one hand, oh my gosh, Mormonism hasn't embraced polygamy since 1890-whatever. But on the other hand, we, we've never really officially given it up. Um, men are sealed to multiple women for eternity, even today. So we, we can't pretend to ignore that we still believe it in the mainstream church. It's just not for the here and now. And so we call it a weird thing and distance ourselves and say, oh, that's not Mormonism. I can't believe the show's confusing the two. Um, we really need to take a more nuanced approach. And by we, I'm pretending like, you know, I'm a mainstream Mormon person, I suppose. But <laughs> I, I think that's kind of an inner conflict for any anybody in the church today is, is living with it being super weird and something we distance ourselves from with, with at the same time living with it being still a very strong part of our religion. Yeah, and I think that's one reason why I had such a hard time with that quote I read earlier, um, where it said, you know, to reinforce long, old, and outdated stereotypes. Because (laughs) as much as we do try to distance it 
from ourselves. It's not. I mean, that's so much a part of what our culture was based off of. And, you know, like you said, people are still practicing it today, although not in a in a temporal way, but in a spiritual way. And I don't know. Right. I, I think that it's I, th I think that it's forces us to kind of look at that part of our history that we've tried to shy away from for so long. And like for me, I mean, when I started watching the show, I was, you know, more of that mainstream Mormon. And um, I would have non-Mormon people come up and ask me, you know, not come up, but my friends that would right. that would know me. And they would kind of ask me, like, is this true? Is this real? And, you know, as much as I might have shied away from it, like it, it put it out there for people to kind of have to deal with and own up to a little bit. Yeah. So do you think it's a good... The show overall created more or less missionary moments for people. Um. <laughs> That's a good question. Gosh. I don't know. Start a Maybe conversation think about Mormons the church, in... but not good ones. What were you going to say, Andrea? I don't know very many. Uh, yeah, I don't know very many mainstream Mormons that watch the show or that are comfortable with talking about polygamy at all. at all. And I think the only reason that I'm comfortable with the show and comfortable with talking about polygamy is because I don't believe in it anymore. You know, I'm not worried that I'm going to be called upon to share my husband in the next life. And I don't believe that DNC 132 was uh, dictated by God. And, and that's why I can talk about it. And I think with mainstream Mormons, that's, you know, it's, it's the skeleton in the closet that nobody wants to think about or talk about. No, and I think that's a really good point, what you brought up, because I would kind of talk to a few of my friends um, about it when I started watching it. And um, yeah, it was the same kind of thing. They just didn't really want to think about it. And I had one friend in particular who really had anxiety and had to like end up having a priesthood blessing earlier before um, I had met her earlier in her life. Because she was really concerned about that, that um, she was going to have to share her husband eventually. So it's kind of one of those things that nobody really wants to talk about. But I think most most uh, TBMs would probably say that they believe that you'll probably have to practice it, at least in the celestial kingdom. Yeah, this is what gets me. It's interesting to me from other podcasts and uh, Mormon expression is that there's kind of this underlying uh, back and forth on what mainstream Mormonism TBMs actually believe. And on the one hand, you have people who swear that, you know, mainstream Mormons don't, still don't know that Joseph Smith had so many wives. And on the other hand, it's like, oh yeah, if you have multiple wives in heaven, not a big deal. It's like, wait, what? Like, how did you not <laughs> know that those two are, you know, pretty straight, they're connected very directly. Two and two equals four. That's right. Uh, I... I, I, I like the the quote that you read, uh, uh, Andrea, where they um, they said at the beginning it was all about exploring the uh, the family, and I think they've done a really good job of that with the the family relationships that they have, and you can see the the genuine you know love and affection that they have for each other. But I think at one point, and maybe it was in in season four, I don't remember exactly where it was, but when when the prop eight stuff was going on that there was a definite um, F you <laughs> that, that yes. the agenda, you know, that, that the producers were saying. And we've, we've 
talked about that episode when they showed the temple ceremony and they showed the excommunication. Um, and, and I don't think that that was uh, an accident. Did, did anybody come prepared with any quotes that can legitimize that, or is that just a suspicion that I have? Yes, I can't. Hang on. Okay, so this is from the same interview. Uh-huh. Um, he said, uh, it talks about um, traditional families and who gets to define families. And so then he says, so we started there and we definitely started before Prop 8. And we definitely mapped out season three, which is uh, the temple scene and excommunication, before Prop 8. So we were almost finished shooting before Prop 8 really became an issue. We didn't foresee that. We're not that much of visionaries that we foresaw that. Yeah, and I, I think that's accurate uh, just because if you look at how a show is put together, you, it's very difficult for something of this production value to just scramble at the last minute and be like, oh, there's a hot topic. We're going to totally change things up. Um, it, it seems like what happened had to have been baked way before so they the were planning on doing that even before Prop 8 came along. Yeah. So I'm yeah, wrong. I, I believe that, yeah. I do think that there were maybe some uh, digs at mixing religion and politics in Season 4 when Bill That's is running for state senate. Well, I, I still think that there's probably um, some connection to that, Glenn. Because, um, you know, Prop 8 wasn't the first time that this has been a big issue and that the church has fought against it, correct? There, were there other propositions that, you know, at least in California, where the church had, you know, we just heard a podcast where they were talking about, um, anybody chime in to help me, <laughs> where they were just talking about that, where... They did uh, the same oh, thing the in Hawaii and Alaska. Yeah, so I think it's definitely been an issue, and you know, just even the way you read your statement um, or the statement that they had said, Andrea, and maybe it's just me, the, the way I process things since Prop Eight has happened. But I read into that, you know, if you're if you're a church who feels like you can define what a family is, yet you have this kind of a family in your history, um, are you guys really the the ones who should be saying what a family should be or not? Yeah, so it's I'm very hypocritical. Confused. So so let's say that they did have this is on their agenda. Oh, my gosh, Prop 8 comes out. Now we're going to change things. Like, so why would we think that? What in the show makes a jab? And this is season three when this is all happening. Because if you look at the temple ceremony and you look at the excommunication, we just got through talking about how all those things were done so tastefully and could have been way worse. And so I'm trying to figure out where the proof is that they're they're nailing Mormonism to the wall because of Prop 8. Well, it's not proof, it's... it's a suspicion. And and my suspicion is the close-up on the the handshake. And and okay. the, the, the emphasis on certain sacred um, tokens. You know, like, they they take a, a camera into the most sacred place in, in the Mormon uh, experience, and they say, this isn't going to be secret anymore. And you we're, think we're... that's related to homosexuality? Why? Like, why would 
Well, I think it's I, I, I think it's related you? because of the the Tom Hanks statement where he he came out and he said I hate Mormons and then he retracted it later on. Well, so I think it was a way of saying, okay, gotcha. Mormons, you know, you're going to stick your nose in our business, you know, over here and and put it where it doesn't belong. Then we're going to put our nose in your business, and you think you can hide stuff from the world? Well, guess what? That 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 was kind of what I was thinking. Was, was going on. That seems like what a Mormon would hope is going on, but I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be wrong. Pretty circumstantial, I'm yeah. Well, I'm trying to look up real quick so that I have something to back this up, because I saw this earlier when I was researching, but that it was saying that it was created by um, a Mark V. Olson, who is a gay screenwriter. Oh, and gay screenwriter Will Sheffer. Is that the one that you had read the quotes from, Andrea? Yeah. Do you have anything to back up if that's true or not? They're, yeah, those are the two creators. Well, yeah, they're and they're life partners. I, okay. I guess they did get married. Yeah, so I don't see it as a as a uh, fu as much, you know, for the whole season. But just like, okay, so let's look at this, uh, you know, let's look at this lifestyle. Let's look at these people. Um, let's explore it a little bit. And and you know, and, and I think they have been been very fair minded in the most part with the show. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was kind of a like, hmm, they don't think that we're we're family. So what do they think is family? Yeah, and and it's probably unfair of me to say f you. I I mean, I I, I was just maybe maybe it's more like the scene in Untouchables where they they <laughs> kill the guys in the elevator and at the end they walk out of the elevator and on the the wall they've written Touchable, you know, and and just, just saying you know right. we we can we can get to you you know or right. or, or you know th- this stuff we 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 oh. can show it. It's, like, well, it's, it's just like a handshake. That, it's, yeah, like that he without sin cast the first stone, you know? Maybe, it's like, he, maybe. And, it's a little bit more of a statement than they maybe needed to do is what you're saying. That scene would have been just as good without showing the handshake. And it's, it's, it's really – it's just something that I've wondered. And, and, and uh, it, sounds, it sounds like from the interview, from the snippet that you've read, Andrea, that, that I was wrong in, in, um, in, in what I was, was wondering about that. And the the, the only other thing to to say about that with the the excommunication text, it sounded like like I was under the assumption that the excommunication text itself is also something that the church keeps rather close guarded. So having having the text revealed the way that it was was on par with having the temple ceremony, you know, those those tokens being depicted like that you know that the, the the language something about you know you're being cut off from your posterity you, you're being cut off from from this is rather yeah. harsh language so having that right. go out like it was was also kind of wow well they, they really hey the that? church the, the church is welcome to put that in the same category as temple material but until they do i'm i'm, I'm calling it fair game yeah <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll we're, we're just about to wrap it up. So, anything else on the uh, what they got right or what they got wrong? So, I wanted to point out one more thing that they got wrong. I think so. At the end of the temple scene, Barbara's having a hard time in the celestial room. She's crying, reconnecting with her family, that sort of thing. And remember, she hasn't been through the temple for a long time. Uh, and then the temple worker, an old lady leans over and says you're 15 minutes or up and we're wondering if that uh, is right or wrong because it's, it's always a friend of a friend that says that that's happened to them but i haven't had that firsthand anybody else here 
No, but I feel like there's a seed of truth in it. Like, if I were the writer, I would have been so tempted to put that in as just Mormon folklore, but really funny at the same time. <laughs> but I've never heard that happen. It's true. Yeah, I think it, I think it was more that poetic license that, you know, they were saying your 15 minutes are up. Because it was, you know, like that's 15, your 15 minutes of fame or, you know, like your time in the church is up. You're about to be excommunicated. Oh, kind of thing. That's deep. Well, I'll go with it. I like it. I, sure. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even think of that. Yeah, I just live there. <laughs> All right. So as as we close up, I've asked each of the panelists to prepare ahead of time, kind of a three minute spiel. Just what is what has the appeal of big love been to them personally? So let me start with Andrea and ask you to, to read your spiel, and we'll just be quiet and we'll just listen. And I'm not going to time it or anything. Okay. I'm just going to trust you. <laughs> okay. It's pretty short. All right. Okay. Um, my great-great-grandfather, Albert, had two wives. After 19 years of marriage to my great-great-grandmother, Melissa, he married Lois. She wasn't a younger, prettier update. Upgrade, sorry. She was three years older than Melissa. Why, after 19 years, did they bring another person into their marriage? My grandmother knew her grandparents. Did she also know her grandmother's sister wife, or bonus grandma, as I like to call her? Great-great-grandma Melissa had a nervous breakdown from which she never fully recovered. I have to wonder if sharing her husband with Lois didn't play a part in that. I honestly don't know, and I can't work up the nerve to ask my grandma. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but Mormons really don't like to talk about polygamy. <laughs> it would seem that the rest of my family is content to pretend that Lois never existed. They'd rather ignore the fact that Brigham Young forced my fourth great-grandmother to marry her own son-in-law, or that all of this started with Joseph Smith. Nobody wants to talk about how men can still be sealed to more than one woman, or how polygamy is going to figure into the afterlife. People leave the church when they find out the truth about polygamy. The mainstream church doesn't have a viable approach to its own history. You can't just shrug it off as a practice that's long forgotten. You can't teach whitewashed history and tell people that the truth isn't useful. Maybe that's why I like Big Love so much, because it lifts up the rock and shows us what's crawling underneath. It opens a dialogue, humanizes the people dismissed as plagues, and makes us see that polygamy isn't something far removed from mainstream Mormonism. DNC 132 is still scripture, after all. We can't keep pretending like it's not there. We can't bring it. It's a part of us, for better or worse, and we have to find a way to make peace with it. Until then, it will continue to be the elephant in the room, something we're not supposed to talk about, something that can make any Mormon want to abruptly end the conversation. And let's be honest, that's not always a bad thing. <laughs> well done. Very wow. nice. Applause. Applause. Wow. Fantastic. All right. Since no one is going to volunteer to follow that, I am just <laughs> going to pick Logan. Oh, I was actually going to volunteer. Okay, well, <laughs> who would like to volunteer? Logan. I will. Hey. Uh, me. Choose hey. me. So, I mean, I, I think Big Love's a great show. I mean, it doesn't take much for me. I'm a huge TV addict, you know. Take away my TiVo, I'd probably die. But Big Love, in particular, has a couple personal connections to me. Two reasons that I personally 
Love it. Uh, first of all, with Big Love, my growing up experience in suburban Utah, of all places, gets the full-on HBO treatment. Um, you know, it, uh, Big Love came out right as I was uh, going through my crisis of faith, and uh, it helped provide um, some way to, to interact with other people about something of the church that I was, uh, I was ambivalent about. So, uh, you know, people would come up to me and, and ask me, and I'd have cool things to say. Uh, and I've explained so much to friends about Big Love. I even hosted a, a Big Love night for all my non-Mormon friends in New York, complete with green jello and Dutch oven cobbler. I gave a, I signed all these recipes, <laughs> these Mormon recipes, and they, uh, they diligently tried their hand and made them. <laughs> uh, it was great. And I provided the color commentary for a couple episodes. Um, yeah, basically... Uh, my experience growing up Mormon is now cool. <laughs> Thanks yeah. to Big Love. Right. And I love that. <laughs> um, second, being an outsider in Mormon Utah as a polygamist, as the, uh, as the show portrays, I feel like it's a great metaphor even for being you know, a former Mormon. Because uh, they, you know, they're sort of in Mormonism but not of Mormonism. They, uh, they share a lot with the dominant Mormon, uh, the mainstream Mormon um, culture, but they're also a little bit distant and removed from it. And I feel like uh, I share a lot of that um, in a similar way. Um, so yeah, uh, I feel a kinship with the Hendricksons because of that. So those are my two things that are personal to me. All right. Ta-da. Thanks, Logan. <laughs> Yay! All right. You don't have to clap. Okay. Melissa, we're going to go uh, girl, boy, girl, boy. So that makes you next. Okay. Um, I kind of wrote like bullet points and kind of read it, like wrote it a little bit. So I, I will try to make it all flow together. Um, but for me, when I first heard about Big Love, I wasn't really a TBM per se, but more of a fairly naive go with the flow because it's all that I know Mormon. The controversial nature of it definitely appealed to me, and luckily I had a brother who was willing to edit out anything I might be a little too uncomfortable with saying. <laughs> That's like a lot of work. <laughs> it did, but, yeah. but he had his own agenda, which maybe I, maybe I leapfrogged a little bit. Um but once I did start watching it, I was drawn in definitely by the character develop, development. For the most part, I feel they got it right. Some exaggerations here and there, but overall, they showed a man with uh, strange as it were beliefs, but he was really sincere about him. He talked with God, and he sincerely wanted to do the right thing. You could see on the compound how people lived in a bubble. They knew there was another world out there, but they were too afraid or just too uncomfortable to go out in it. Instead, they set themselves apart, convincing each other that what they had was good and right. And although the world to the world it may seem that they were weird, they knew and believed that they had something that was truth, the only truth. I could relate to that a lot. Big Love was really the first time I was able to look at myself in regards to religion objectively. Um, it made me question, it made me think, and I liked that. It made me look at myself and say, am I really that different? Haven't I created my own safe bubble, bubble, a shelter as it was from the world? And what of the world? Is it really as big and scary as I was led to believe? So it made me question and it made me doubt and it made me take a needle and pop my bubble. Nice. Oh. All right. Pop in the bubble. Good job. Thanks. Okay, and Bob, we'll end with you. Wow. Well, I feel unprepared after all that. So I guess all I wanted to say was 
like, like I had mentioned before, nine times out of ten, the show got it right. It It's great because it deals with such a complicated part of Mormonism that doesn't even need to be fabricated or extrapolated or, or have some sort of anti-spin on it. You know, it, it's, it just stands on its own as such a fascinating way to think about the world, you know, that it originally came from Joseph Smith and evolved over time, and it's still just a, a strong part of Mormonism as it is today. And I'm glad somebody's putting the spotlight on it a little bit, because the church, for obvious reasons, doesn't or won't. And, and I'm glad to hear also when the creators of the show talk about it, and not just in the, the quote that was read earlier at, at one point, but from what I've read, they're actually pretty sincere people. Um, they're not trying to to rub this in the church's face or, or shut down the church or disprove something. It is just about a complicated lifestyle, a complicated family, and... For me, that, that means a lot for somebody to sincerely approach this part of Mormonism in a way that I personally can't find on the inside. And, and when you go to the outside, it's hard to, it's, it's, it's hard to um, sift through all the anti and all the, you know, all the agenda-based stuff. And I'm, and I'm not trying to say, because we're kind of giving it more credit than, than is due in, in some ways, because... It's not. It's really not the best place to go if you're struggling with the church and want to figure out um, um, where the truths really lie. Just watching Big Love is absolutely not enough for the thing you should do. But for me, it actually it, it, it worked. And and I also tack along with what Logan said that it was pretty cool to have my uh, my childhood, my upbringing, be like the main part of a mainstream show in a way that would just never be possible. Um, through the regular church sort of productions that happen. So uh, I think it's a sincere show. It's it's pretty good quality, except for season four. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but but I'm hoping brother. Season, season five is better, the, the closure here. Uh, well done, great plot line, great characters, and personal connection, and, and very sincere. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Well, and um, if Glenn hasn't ruined the Beach Boys from the Christmas podcast, you'll never be able to hear that song uh, again either. <laughs> they changed songs. Kids. They did That's change true. songs, yeah. Although I still have the original as my husband's ringtone now. <laughs> nice. Yeah, oh, and that's the other I thing love I was going to say. I know, it is a good one. Um, that I wish that we would have uh, Maybe we should those... mention that it's God Only Knows. For those oh, that yeah, don't yeah. know, it's God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just going to say that they have a whole bunch of Junior Per Creek Christmas songs. I wish we would have thought about that for the oh, Christmas yeah, those are good. Yeah. Well, they're funny. They are funny. And, you know, one one of my favorite things when I first saw Big Love and I first was introduced to it was the uh, the original intro to the show where at the very end it panned out with Bill and his three wives sitting around a dinner table <laughs> on a planet in a solar system. <laughs> Yeah, and it was so Mormon to me, you know that that, that yeah. you could you can build your planets and and you know have this eternal family. It was just fantastic. So and you know, there's no way that was an accident. No, oh, no, 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 no. And and God only knows where I'd be without you by the by the Beach Boys. Was great. <laughs> so so hey, you guys, thanks for coming on, and I think it's been a, a great conversation. Of course, we can't touch on everything with this show in. Uh, uh, about an hour like we've done but uh, 
The discussion, as always, continues over on the website. It's mormonexpression.com. And we hope you'll join us again sometime. So thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, Bye. pleasure. Thanks a lot. Good night. I don't, I don't remember exactly where we were with the train of thought, but let's let's try and pick it up from where Missy was talking about walking into a, a supermarket looking at uh, the milk <laughs> yeah, displays, where are you going? and she she was uh, chastising all of us, but I think she was laying most of the blame again at you, Logan, that we're being too serious and uh, <laughs> not uh, not having enough, enough fun with each other. I'm a very serious person. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Go, go ahead and, and and pick it up again, Missy. Okay. Anna, Anna one, <laughs> Anna two. <laughs> okay, I'm doing the. Okay. Um. <laughs> so, so if it helps, I think I just said that you can. No, I remember where I was at. I'm just, okay, I don't, I'm just. just I'm feeling on the spot and awkward, so I'm just laughing at myself. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, Missy Stop dropped the again. Ghosts, thinking we're getting too close to something sacred. Yeah. Well, you you don't you don't talk about milk. <laughs> Let that be a lesson. Right. You've got to start with the meat. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Well, that's how it works.